European Hearts Journal Issue at a Glance, Volume 39, Issue 22, Focus Issue on Tako Tsubo, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia. Tako Tsubo Syndrome, the Cinderella compared to common acute coronary syndromes. With the onset of the increasing use of emergency coronary angiography in patients with persistent angina pectoris and ECG changes in the 1980s, female patients with severe left ventricular dysfunction of unusual appearance and normal coronary arteries were documented. A few years later, Sato and colleagues from the Hiroshima City Hospital published five such cases and coined the term Takotsubo syndrome as the ventricle resembled the shape of a Japanese octopus trap. While it was first assumed that the syndrome would only affect individuals of Asian descent, shortly thereafter similar patients were published by French and American groups. Recently, a large international cohort put this underrecognized acute coronary syndrome on center stage. It became clear that Takotsubo is much more common than anticipated and potentially a lethal disease. Thus, it appeared timely to publish a consensus expert statement on the issue. This focus issue presents both parts of the International Expert Consensus Document of Takotsubo Syndrome by Christian Templin and colleagues from the University of Zurich in Switzerland. The document summarizes the current state of knowledge on the clinical presentation and characteristics of Takotsubo Syndrome and tries to end controversies on its nomenclature. This statement also proposes new diagnostic criteria based on data from the International Takotsubo Registry to improve diagnostic accuracy. Unlike Takotsubo, which affects the microcirculation, classical forms of acute coronary syndromes are due to rupture or erosion of lipid-rich plaques in epicardial coronary arteries. Inflammation of atherosclerotic plaques is considered the prime mechanism of plaque vulnerability with interleukin-1 as the prototypical pro-inflammatory cytokine. Initially, interleukin-1 has been implicated as a cardiodepressant in septic shock, but subsequently it has been recognized as a mediator of atherosclerosis, acute myocardial infarction, and heart failure. In their clinical review, Interleukin-1 Blockade in Cardiovascular Disease, a clinical update, Antonio Abate and colleagues from the Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond, Virginia, USA, note that interleukin-1 monoclonal antibodies prevent recurrent atherothrombotic cardiovascular events and, in STEMI, quench the inflammatory response and prevent heart failure. In heart failure, Interleukin-1 appears to impair beta-adrenergic receptor signaling and intracellular calcium handling, and accordingly, its inhibition improves exercise capacity. While interleukin-1 blockade is not immunosuppressive and not associated with opportunistic infections nor increased risk of cancer, lethal outcomes may occur due to blunting of inflammation and in turn delayed presentation and diagnosis. The practical use of interleukin-1 blockade is currently experimental, but its potential is worth being considered. An acute occlusion of an epicardial coronary artery may be caused by plaque rupture or erosion. 
The latter is discussed in a review article entitled Plaque Erosion, a new in vivo diagnosis and a potential major shift in the management of patients with acute coronary syndromes by Ik Kyung Jang and colleagues from the Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts, USA. The advent of intravascular imaging techniques, particularly optical coherence tomography, has improved the understanding of plaque erosion. Appreciation of the distinct biological and clinical mechanisms of plaque erosion points to the possibility of tailored management strategies for patients presenting with acute coronary syndromes. This topic is further analysed in an article entitled In Vivo Predictors of Plaque Erosion in Patients with ST-Segment Elevation Myocardial Infarction, a Clinical Angiographic and Intravascular OCT Study by Bo Yu and colleagues from the Second Affiliated Hospital of Harbin Medical University in Heilongjiang, China. Using optical coherence tomography in 822 patients with ST-segment elevation myocardial infarction, or STEMI, 25.4% had plaque erosion and 68.6% rupture. Plaque erosion was more frequent in younger females of less than 50 years, with a similar trend in males. Those with erosion were more often current smokers, but had fewer other coronary risk factors than those with rupture. There was a preponderance of erosions in the left anterior descending coronary artery, or LAD, and near a bifurcation. Thus, in STEMI, erosion in a predictable clinical entity distinct from rupture and its recognition may change the therapeutic approach to these patients. These findings are put into context in an editorial by Aloke Vimani Finn from the CV Path in Gaithersburg, Maryland, in the USA. Cardiogenic shock is a feared complication of both Takotsubo and STEMI, and the last frontier in the management of acute coronary syndromes. In their article, Predicting the development of in-hospital cardiogenic shock in patients with ST-segment elevation myocardial infarction treated by primary percutaneous coronary intervention, the ORBI risk score, Vincent Orfret and colleagues aim to derive and validate a readily usable risk score to identify patients at high risk of in-hospital cardiogenic shock in an initial and validation cohort. 11 variables were independently associated with the development of in-hospital cardiogenic shock, age more than 70 years, prior stroke or transient ischemic attack, cardiac arrest upon admission, anterior STEMI, delay of first medical contact to primary PCI over 90 minutes, KILIP class, heart rate more than 90 beats per minute, a combination of systolic blood pressure less than 125 millimeters of mercury and pulse pressure less than 45 millimeters of mercury, glycemia more than 10 millimoles per liter, culprit lesion of the left main coronary artery, and post-primary PCI TIMI flow grade less than 3. The score derived from these variables allowed the classification of patients into four risk categories with cardiogenic shock rates of 1.3%, 6.6%, 11.7%, and 31.8%. The score demonstrated 
high discrimination and adequate calibration in both cohorts. Thus, the ORBI risk score is a tool to identify high-risk STEMI patients developing cardiogenic shock and may be helpful with the availability of novel treatment options in these patients. The clinical usefulness of the score is further discussed in a thoughtful editorial by George Dangas from the Cardiovascular Research Foundation in New York, USA. Myocardial infarction and gallstone disease are intrinsically linked via cholesterol metabolism. In their study, Genetic Variants in CYP7A1 and Risk of Myocardial Infarction and Symptomatic Gallstone Disease, Anne Tybjerg Hansen and colleagues from the Rigshospitalet in Copenhagen, Denmark, tested the hypothesis that genetic variants in the gene encoding cholesterol 7-alpha-hydroxylase, or CYP7A1, the rate-limiting enzyme in the conversion of cholesterol to bile acids in the liver, are associated with risk of myocardial infarction and gallstone disease in the general population. During seven years, myocardial infarction developed in 2,326 individuals, and gallstone disease in 2007. For rare mutations, CYP7A1 allele count was associated with an increase in LDLC of 12 for individuals with the highest versus the lowest allele count. For common variants, CYP7A1 weighted allele scores in individuals with a score greater than 0.04 versus less than or equal to 0 were associated with stepwise increases in LDLC of up to 2.4% and with corresponding adjusted hazard ratios of 1.25 for myocardial infarction and 1.39 for gallstone disease. Thus, genetic variants in CYP7A1 which are associated with increased levels of LDLC, are associated with an increased risk of both myocardial infarction and gallstone disease. The editors hope that this issue of the European Hearts Journal will find the interest of its readers.